0: Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show.
1: Let me start with a number. The number, 70 seven, zero. In a weekend full of good old-fashioned butt kickings.
0: Good old-fashioned butt kicking.
1: We'll get to the buffs a little bit later on. But in a weekend full of good old-fashioned butt kickings. Good old-fashioned butt kicking. We may have just seen the all-time ass-beating in the NFL. A freaking 70-burger in Miami. A 70-piece in South Beach. 70 points in an NFL game. I mean, of all the dramatic things I have ever of seen. Of all the
2: dramatic things I've ever seen.
1: Or as my dude, Pat Tillman, famously said on this show once, that was a nice, swift, Ass kicking. Nice,
0: swift ass kicking.
1: Seriously, though, I have never seen anything like that in the NFL. You know why? Because nobody has ever seen anything like that in the NFL. Not since at least 1966. Because nobody has scored 70 points in a game since 1966. And the best part about that, people are pissed at Mike McDaniel for kneeling it out and not going for the NFL record 73. The dude just hung 70 on the Broncos, and for some people, that was still not enough. Even funnier than that is Mike McDaniel and Tua both basically saying after the game that they were not trying to humiliate anybody. Yeah, well, that ship sailed somewhere around the middle of the second quarter yesterday. Miami thoroughly humiliated Denver. So thoroughly that humiliated Doesn't even seem like a humiliating enough word to describe that carnage. Tua had more tutties than incomplete passes. Can I repeat that? He had more tutties than incomplete passes. They gained 726 yards and didn't even have Jalen Waddle. They averaged more than 10 yards a play, which of course means that every time they touch the ball, they got a first down. No team has ever scored 70 on at least 700 total yards until yesterday. So what happened yesterday wasn't just an ass beating. It was a historic ass beating. A historic ass beating of epic proportions. It was one of the worst ass beatings anybody has ever witnessed in any pro sport. And that's not hyperbole, and that's not lava. That's real. That's a fact. The Dolphins scored more points yesterday than the Broncos have all season. And the Broncos' season is already circling the drain. Could it be any worse or going any worse for Sean Payton right now? It's almost like you could call it, quote, one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL. That's how bad it was. End of quote. Of course, those are not my words. Those are not my words, and you know who they belong to, Sean Payton himself, and they have come back to bite him right in the ass. And to be more specific, there were Sean Payton's words about his predecessor, and as bad as Nate can't hack it was. That song's not appropriate. You got the wrong Nate. Nate can't hack it. As bad as he was, I think Bronco fan would tell you, this is even worse right now. I mean, I can say this for can't hack it. Nobody ever hung 70 on that dude. Nobody even ever hung 70 on that pancake-flipping, hot-take-talking head that somehow found himself coaching the Colts last season. Hell, ready for this. Nobody ever even hung 70 on Pervin Lyre in Duval. It's
0: Alabama every week.
1: I mean, that's why Peyton was so red-assed after that game. That's why he didn't want to hear about the historic humiliation. Somebody tried to ask him, hey, you know, or do you know just how historic this humiliation was? Apparently, Peyton was aware. I know that
0: you said it's embarrassing, but this is kind of an historic... Game, the game. I'm more. Third time the team has scored 70 points over 70. What's players. the question? I mean, What's the question? How do you feel about it? I just historically finished telling you. Historically embarrassing. Next question.
1: Tense. How do you feel about this game being historically embarrassing is a pretty harsh question, but that's the kind of question you're going to get when somebody hangs 70 on you. Unfortunately, you can't really Next question, a 70-burger, can Next you?
0: Question. Here's Next the thing.
1: Question. It's not like this was ever going to be an easy job for Sean Payton. And he's not making it look easy either. He's making it look incredibly hard. And when you blow in and you swerve way out of your lane to set your predecessor on fire, and then you start 0-3 and you give up 70 in Miami – That is an epic disaster, and you are going to be asked, how does it feel to be a part of such an epic beatdown? After the game, Garrett Bowles spoke for, I think, essentially every single Bronco fan and every single Bronco player in the sense of how tired they are of all this crap.
2: Right now, what are the emotions like going through your head
0: personally? (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh... I'm tired of losing man uh, I've been here for seven years and all I've done is loss and it's frustrating
1: yeah Beck, Can you imagine the commitment you pay or make physically and psychologically and other than a paycheck you really have nothing to show for it? it goes to show that while some of these guys might just be in it for the life might just be in it for the pay not everybody not a lot of them does that guy sound like a paycheck is making him feel any better I mean, that sounded like rock bottom. Not sure at this point how things can possibly get any more miserable for Bronco player or Bronco fan, but they could. And it looks like we might just find out. It looks like it could get a lot worse before it gets any better. But that was rock bottom. 70. 720-plus yards. Insane. Now, not to make a totally cringe pivot, in transition but speaking of ugly how about how about Mike McCarthy and them Cowboys they should be thanking Denver for the cover right now because if not for that debacle the number one question we'd all be asking right now is the hell was that Dallas you can imagine what the open would be like if not for that other game in fact that is still the question the hell was that Dallas The hell was that, big fella? I mean, Trayvon Diggs is good. Really good. But he's not that good. And I'm not taking anything away from Arizona. In fact, I'm here to praise Arizona. But remember when the Cardinals were allegedly losing on purpose? And remember when the Cowboys were supposedly the scariest team in the NFL with a historic defense? Remember all that? Yet neither do I. Cardinal fan, how do I put this? Buckle up. Buckle it's up. time to get excited. Buckle What's up, up. bird gang? Because Buckle the Cardinals up. clearly rode the bus to work yesterday. Pew, pew, pew. I mean, seriously, though. Jonathan shot out of a Gannon. Jonathan shot out of a Cannon Gannon. It's taking a lot of flack. Since he took that job. And in some cases, it's been totally justified. Totally justified. Mm. It's the Tourette's man. <laughs> I'm telling you. But I'm telling you also, this guy deserves some bleeping credit. For real. For real. Shot out of a cannon, Gannon's dudes are fighting their asses off so far this year. They could honestly be 3-0. and they should honestly be 2-1. and one. We're
0: going to have some fun.
1: But one thing they clearly are not is losing on purpose. Ask Dak Prescott. Ask the big fella, Mike McCarthy. Dak was a disaster, and the rest of the team was barely even better. They still can't do Jack in the red zone. They still can't stop the run. So you can go ahead and stop comparing them to the 2013 Seahawks. That so-called historic defense got absolutely worked by Joshua Dobbs. Joshua Dobbs, who was brought in like 17 days before the start of the year. The Cowboys essentially no-showed for that game. In fact, there's no essentially about it. They didn't show up for that game, and they clearly were not prepared. They were hideous. And I'm not sure any team... I mean, that was bad. That was really bad. I I love these teams providing cover for each other. You know how much worse that would be for them? Let me talk to you for a moment about one of my favorite products ever, HelloFresh. What is HelloFresh? What it is is farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You can skip trips to the grocery store. You can count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable, and that's why it's America's number one meal kit. Kickstart a fresh fall routine with HelloFresh. HelloFresh handles all the meal planning and shopping to deliver everything you need to cook up a tasty meal right at home. They do the hard part, and you get to take credit. And when it comes to options, honestly, more is more. That's why HelloFresh's menu includes 40 recipes and over 100 add-on items to choose from every single week. I love it. Comes right to the doorstep. All these tremendous ideas and great meals. Find out for yourself. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50 Rome. Use the code 50 Rome for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. Once again, HelloFresh.com slash 50 Rome. Make sure to use the code 50 Rome and get 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. HelloFresh.com slash 50Rome. As ill-prepared as they were, as painful as that was, was it any more painful than watching the Coug Hunter and the Jets yet again? I mean, this dude is setting the entire quarterback position back years. In fact, the Coug Hunter is setting the entire game of football back years. And yes... Yes, I am well aware of the elements. I am well aware that it was windy as hell and rainy as hell out there. It's windy as hell out there, too, guys. And rainy as hell. I know the weather sucked. And I know that they don't even know how to paint the field at MetLife properly. And I know the hood man's a pain in the ass. But Zach, my dude, every time you take the field, it looks like it's the first time you've ever taken the field. It looks like the first time you've ever played the game. How is it even possible that you just spent an entire offseason with Aaron Rodgers and somehow came back worse? That's 15 straight losses to New England. And yesterday might have been the most infuriating one of all. The Coog Hunter actually managed to sack himself in this game. I don't know if he saw ghosts. I don't know if it was just a phantom sack, but he did sack himself. I mean, who gets credit for that sack? Him? Even Broadway Joe could not take all the struggling. Struggling. My man with Broadway Joe was out here on the X slinging lava the entire game. And not even just at the cougar Hunter, but also with the coaches and the front office too. This team was thinking Super Bowl three weeks ago. All the hype, all the good vibes. And yet here we are, not even into October yet. And Joe Namath is talking about replacing the QB, the head coach, and the GM. I mean, from zero to Jets in two seconds flat. Clearly, Joe has lost all faith in Zach Wilson. I think the entire rest of humanity outside of the Jets' locker room, and actually probably part of the inside of the locker room, have also lost all faith in Zach Wilson. I'm not even sure that I believe Garrett Wilson when Garrett Wilson says that he still has confidence in Zachary. You still so confidence in Zach? Oh, yeah. Come on now. Yeah, it's my dog, and uh, he can spin. Um, yeah, man, all the confidence in the world. You know, we got to figure it out um, on offense as a whole. All right, listen, I love Garrett. I do. I absolutely love this dude. But you have all the confidence in the world, and I know you have to say what you have to say, especially as a leader on that team, and especially as a guy catching the ball from a guy who can't get it to you. I I get all that. Just don't expect me to believe any of that. (laughs) I get all that, but don't expect me to believe any of that as much as I love this dude. You have all the confidence in the world, in the dude, and the rest of the world has no confidence at all in the dude. Yeah, I know. We're on the outside. You're on the inside. My dude, you look pretty frustrated on the sideline with that same dude during the game. But then again, what else is he supposed to say? Right now, they have no other option, or at least that's what they say. To me, they better go out and get another option, because continuing to run the CH out there is not just ruining the Jets season. It's torturing all of America, too. How about the Hood man. You know the Hood man is extremely pleased with himself and his 15 game winning streak over the Jets this morning. So pleased, he's already gone on WEEI in Boston and commented on of all things T Swift showing up to the Chiefs game yesterday. That's how that's how loose the hood was this morning.
2: Uh, can I try one that's not about the Cowboys? Uh, Swifty to Swifty. Uh, Taylor Swift was in attendance to watch Travis Kelsey's game with his mom in the box. Seems like they may be the new it couple. Where do you fall on that? <laughs> Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift, power couple in the NFL.
1: Well, I would say that Travis Kelsey's had a lot.
2: Kelsey's had a lot of big catches in his career. <laughs> <laughs> this would be the biggest. Nailed it.
1: Wow. Slayer. That's Slade. Did he outkick the coverage too, Hoodie? I mean, you know, the Hood man's feeling himself when he's dropping Monday morning one liners. How big are the two of those goats coming together? The alleged oldest goat ever can't get enough. I'll tell you what, Hood. You know, once you run down Don Shula, you got to look for the next thing. Little reinvention project with the hood. I don't know, maybe maybe you take that show on the road. Or maybe you get a Netflix special. Maybe something like Belly Laughs with Bill Belichick, a one-man show.
0: <laughs>
1: Talk to me, Bill. When is the release date for your Netflix comedy special? Yeah, um, <clears throat> didn't know that uh, Travis was a two-sport athlete. He may have scored a TD in the game, but after the game, I don't see him getting anywhere near second base. Catch my grip. Get it? Two sports star. Football, baseball.
2: Sex. Okay, well, thanks a lot. It's a pleasure being
1: here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You're too kind. Hey, uh, Travis already missed one game with a bone bruise. Uh, mm, uh. Hopefully he doesn't miss another with an ego bruise.
0: <laughs> Love to see you.
1: Mm -hmm. how's everybody doing hey hey when we see the Chiefs in week 15 we might plan on uh, punking them at the line and then double coverage the rest of the game get it never mind I I told Christian Gonzalez to tell him it's me hi I'm the problem it's me hi I'm the problem it's me get it Don't tell me I'm not hip. I'm the head coach of the Patriots, but what you didn't know was I'm also a singer-songwriter. Ready? Travis and Taylor sitting in a tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes Travis in a, wait for it, baby carriage. (laughs) (laughs) This is fun, man. I think I like this better than football. Should we run that back again? First comes love, then Travis comes marriage. No, uh, sorry about that. Screwed up my own line. First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes Travis in a baby carriage. Hi-oh! Hey, can you get a drink for me? The only question now is, does Travis change his number to 13 during the season, or does he wait until after? <laughs> this would be oh, the oh, biggest. Man, this set does itself. Are you not entertained? Am I not funny? Hey, pick up your uh, sleeveless hood on the way out. Tip your waiters and your waitresses and your bus people <laughs> and pick up a uh, sleeveless hoodie on the way out. In fact, pick up 13 of them. <laughs> anyway. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it. In major retail stores near you, clones. If you do not see it, ask for it by name hour. because you heard it. no not, other jerky compares. To join in. Old Trapper, we what's We are open for this segment, and then I go back to back to back. That's why you don't want to miss that first hour. Coming up next segment, I've got Shia Kapadia a senior NFL writer for the Ringer. He is going to join us via Zoom. He will be all over the NFL weekend, and we'll get a preview of tonight's game with him. Also, coming up this hour, Lance Leipold, the head football coach of Kansas. He continues to do a great job there, an amazing job there. He inherited a winless team has got them in the top 25. The big head, James Kelly, coming off another winning weekend, betting-wise, is going to join me at 11 o'clock. So these are all Pacific Times, 1020, 1040, 11 o'clock, and we are open right now. Pretty good. End of the first hour, phone-wise, 1-800-636-8686. Somebody taking a random, unsolicited, unwarranted drive-by on Alvy for going to UCSC. You see Santa Cruz. All right, speaking of colleges, let me change up on you. I don't know who needs to hear this, but listen, nobody ever said. I mean, some of you got caught up. But anybody who knows, knows that Colorado is a great, great, great story. But they're not yet a great, great, great team. But they're an amazing story. But nobody who knows who's watched any college football this year, or ever, <laughs> thought that they were going to win a national championship this year, or come anywhere close. I never once said that. I never once said that they were going to beat Oregon. Somehow people have gotten it twisted from the very beginning. The whole point of how impressive it was that Colorado went out and beat TCU is that they were not supposed to beat TCU. TCU. And they were not supposed to start the year 3-0 after a 1-11 season last year. I mean, what Dion has done since he got there is absolutely incredible. Still, even after that beatdown this past weekend. I mean, almost anything he does the rest of the year, it almost doesn't even matter. He's already won the year. He's already completely transformed that program. And done so literally overnight. So, which brings us to Saturday. The real question was Saturday was if they could even hang with the Ducks at Autzen Stadium. Remember, that was a three-touchdown spread. Those who know, know. I tried to explain it to my kid, as I mentioned, when I said to Logs, and this was a vintage Logan response to me. He didn't say it disrespectfully, but he couldn't wait to throw it in my face when I said, hey, Rogues, it's going to be a long day. Just know that. You know, because you know what he hit me up for, of course. If the kid's looking for me, he needs something. He needed my password so he could throw it up on the big screen in the dorm so they could all watch. And I said, good news for you, son. I don't have the password. I only go with facial recognition. I don't even know what the password is. Good news for you because you don't want to see that on the big screen. It's going to go badly. He said, "Uh Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes, what you said about TCU. Can I have the password, please? I'm like, you'll be thanking me later. And like I said, one drive in, his tone changed dramatically. Did not take long for us to get that answer. Hell no, they could not hang. No. And I'm not here to come in in reverse course. I'm still amazed at what Dion's done with that program. But like I said off the top of the show, in the words of my guy, Pat Tillman, that was a nice, swift ass nice, kicking.
0: Swift ass kicking. Or in the
1: words of Dion himself, that was a good old-fashioned butt kicking. Good old-fashioned
0: butt kicking. No excuses, no nothing. Um, their coaches did a heck of a job preparing their team. Obviously we didn't. That was good. I mean that was a really good old-fashioned butt kicking. All true.
1: Well said, handled that well, but he left one thing out. and he actually did defend this when somebody said, yeah, you, know, you know, the talent gap exists. He pushed back pretty hard on that. But the fact of the matter is, the talent gap does exist. The Ducks are just a much better team. The Buffs got their asses beat. It was always going to be a tall order to get over on Oregon without Travis Hunter, or even with Travis Hunter. I mean, it might have been more interesting, but I'm here to tell you, they were not going to win that game even with Travis Hunter. I know how important he is to them. They were not going to beat Oregon even with this guy. Hunter was not the difference in that game. The Buffs just were not ready for that step. And that's not a crackback at all. The, the fact that they were even 3-0 is still miraculous. But they weren't ready for that challenge. And maybe Oregon had just a little too much jungle karma working. When Dan Lanning was in here on Friday, before the game, I definitely got the message that this dude was serious. Then on Saturday, the rest of America found out just how serious. This dude is serious.
0: Rooted in substance, not flash, rooted in substance. Today, we talk with our pads. You talk for your helmet, right? Every moment, the Cinderella story is over, man, right? They're fighting for clicks, we're fighting for wins. There's a difference, right? There's a difference, right? This game ain't gonna be played in Hollywood, it's gonna be played on the grass, right? It's gonna be played on the grass. Let's go.
1: I mean, I'd say he ripped a page out of Dion's playbook, but that was just Dan Lanning being Dan Lanning. That's who that guy is. And I've got no problem with any of that. I have no problem with any of that. In fact, that was genius. That was genius. It was meeting Dion on Dion's playing field because it's been genius when he's done it. He did it before his team met Dion's team on the actual field. Lanning, this is how smart this guy is. And he understood. He knew how many eyeballs that he had on his program this weekend. He knew how many people were tuning in to watch Dion in Colorado. He knew he had an enormous opportunity, a recruiting opportunity, and an opportunity to take his program to the next level. He took advantage of that opportunity in every way that he could. He invited those cameras into his locker room. It was brilliant. In other words, he did his freaking job. And he did it unbelievably well. I have zero problem with any of that. Even if we know damn well that he gave that speech for clicks. When he said, we're not about clicks, we're we're about wins. He knew damn well he was going to get billions of clicks. That's part of the genius of it. Letting the ESPN cameras in to record his pregame hype speech about how they don't play to the cameras. Man, that is brilliant. He knew he had the better team. He knew he could make an enormous splash. He knew he could spoil the Buffs party. I don't have a problem with it, just like I don't have a problem with it when Dion does it and Dion rolls tape on everything. So Lanning did the same thing and it worked brilliantly. Props to Dan Lanning and Eugene. That was a massive win for the program. Even if you want to say, no, it wasn't. They were so much better and we all knew it. Oh no, that was a massive win for them given the eyeballs and the attention. And that speech that he gave, which was brilliant and it worked and they backed it up. I mean, a boat race does not begin to do justice to what that was. And for the Buffs. I'm not saying that All the luster's off. The Cinderella story's dead. Oh, no, we're still paying attention. We're still paying attention, except it's only going to get tougher this week because while they were a three-touchdown dog on the road against Oregon, they're a more than three-touchdown dog at home against USC. So that should be an interesting test to see how they bounce back for Prime and for his team. But I definitely believe him when he says, there won't be anybody feeling sorry for themselves in Boulder this week. The fact of the matter is, you know what? Even in a beatdown like that, they play hard. They play hard. They do. They just were completely outmanned and outclassed. But Dion made a point of saying, hey, man, pick your butts up. Let's go. No one's feeling sorry for us. Get your butt
0: up and let's go. We ain't got time to have no pity party. There's nobody walking around the locker room with napkins and tissues. Get your butt up. Let's get on that plane. Let's go. We got work to do.
1: He's right. Every second counts. They do have work to do. They have a lot of work to do and not a lot of time. They've got a ton of work to do just to avoid getting completely curb stomped again, let alone beating the Trojans. And to be clear, they were always going to have a ton of work to do to hang in these games with Oregon and USC. It was the casual fans that were caught up in the hype and the glitz and all the energy of it. And and great. He, this dude is so good for college football to be able to get these eyeballs. Like all the other hardcores are there no matter what. He was bringing new eyeballs in, but the new eyeballs didn't really know what they were watching. They just were caught up in the hype. Anybody else who knows had to know something like that was going to happen. And we said it from the very beginning. And that's not trying to make an excuse or trying to bury them or anything like that. Again, I love what this guy's doing. It's just reality. These games were always coming. Conference play was always going to begin, and it was always going to be an uphill battle. They may have stunned TCU. Can't take anything away from that. They may have beaten Nebraska, all right. They may have outlasted Colorado State, all right. But none of that is Oregon, right? None of that is USC, it doesn't mean that Colorado is not still an incredible story. They are. It doesn't mean that Dion suddenly is not doing an incredible job because he still is. And I think that he was right. He said, you better get me now. You better get me now. Because frankly, this is as low as they're going to be. Because now that recruits have seen what's possible and what they're doing there, he's going to get them on campus. They're going to want to be a part of it. They're only going to get better. And it was incredible that he turned that thing as quick as he did. But the guy can't walk on water. As charismatic as he is, as amazing as he is, he might be able to do things that other people cannot do. But he can't walk on water. And he wasn't going to turn that thing around from 1-11 and to going into Autzen and beating Oregon. Even with Travis Hunter. That's too big a lift. That's too big of an ask. But it doesn't mean that they're not still compelling. It doesn't mean they're not still fascinating. And it doesn't mean he's not still doing an amazing job. But they weren't going to win the conference, much less win the CFP this year. And if you were reasonable about any of this or understood the game at all, you already knew that. But they still my attention. I'm still watching. I'm still talking about him. And I'm still giving him his respect. But give Oregon their respect. Lanning knew, man. He played that thing perfectly. He knew there would be a ton of eyeballs that ordinarily might not have been on them, and he took full advantage of it. And that's a different kind of beast now at Oregon. Tough, hard-nosed, intense. That was something. You knew when they went right down the field, when Bo Nix went right down the field in that opening drive, that was the very epitome of Uh Uh-oh. Not surprising Uh if you watch college football, but for Buffs fan or Buffs bandwagon or Buffs who don't know, uh uh-oh. The
0: Cinderella story is over,
1: man. He knew. He choreographed that beautifully. And I've got no problem with him saying, we're not about clicks. We're We're about wins. wins. When he did that to get clicks. Deep down, dion has got to respect that. Because you know what? The game might be played on the grass and not Hollywood, but I'll tell you where that game's also played. On social. On social. Dion knows it. Lanny knows it. This I game didn't even argue that Ryan Day knows grass. it. When Ryan Day went absolutely berserk on old man Lou Holtz. I think we all know that the game is played on social almost as much as is played on the grass, because you need the best recruits to excel on the grass. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com match. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Chris, you're next. Hey, Chris, what's up? How are Um, you? Romy, thank you for the vine. First time, long time. Beautiful. Uh, You said something earlier. You got a guy on the other side of the glass on your panel from UCSC. UCSC's sports environment is all about shaving all that arm hair under their their armpits you don't know a woman from a man until you get in front of them
2: what kind of person could possibly be on your staff that went to UCSC I can answer answer
1: that Alvin DeLaurel Alvin DeLaurel hey Alvin I know that you never ever like to respond to anything except with a drop or two but that guy just went in on you man and that that was terrible he is Shiel Kapadia. Sheo, great to have you back. How you doing?
2: Good to be here. How's it going?
1: Good, dude. Good. Great to have you. Great to have you on Zoom. Appreciate that. Let's just jump right into it. The Dolphins absolutely curb-stomped the Broncos yesterday. They hung 70 on them, 700-plus yards in total offense. Are the Dolphins that good or are the Broncos that bad?
2: It's a combination. I mean, you look at that Broncos loss in week one to the Raiders, where you thought maybe there's something to the Raiders. Well, no, maybe there's something to the Broncos. I mean, this was a top 10 defense last year under coordinator Ejiro Evero, who's now in Carolina. They bring in Sean Payton. They bring in Vance Joseph. And, I mean, look at the highlights you're showing. These guys are absolutely wide open. So that's part of it. But don't let me bury the lead. I mean, 70 points is 70 points. And this isn't a one-week thing. For Mike McDaniel, I mean, what they're doing, where Tua Tagovailoa is getting rid of the football faster than any other quarterback in the league, and they're still making more plays downfield than any other offense in the league. Like, those two things, you're not supposed to have both those things uh, happening together. So credit to Mike McDaniel, credit to Tua, credit to that whole Dolphins offense. I mean, I was skeptical of them coming into the season. I thought they were a fragile team where one thing goes wrong and it might all crater, Hasn't happened. I mean, I'm a believer through three weeks in the season. All
1: right, so I, I really respect that point of view. I don't want to go like overreaction Monday, and I don't want to start slinging lava or be that hot take guy, but are we looking at maybe the best coach-quarterback combination in the league right now in those two guys?
2: Uh, I'm saying, no, no, no. I, come Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, if you're giving me one for a franchise going forward, I, I'm still sticking with those two guys, um, you know, and even – just when you look at it, like it's hard to separate Sunga Bailoa from McDaniel. I mean, he's operating this offense at such a high level, but if you're saying, Hey, who who do I want to start a franchise with? Right now, uh, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not taking them over Mahomes and Reed right now, but McDaniel's doing an unbelievable job. I mean, the league hasn't seen anything uh, like this. Probably since maybe Sean McVay when he came in, we were saying, all right, he's got something to him. That that's kind of the level I see with what McDaniel's doing right
1: now. You know, now. I think you're right. I think I was leaning more towards that than if you had to start a franchise right now, who would you start with? But in terms of recency bias, man, I'm just blown away by what I saw and how great they were. Let me ask you this: What do you make of Sean Payton leaving Russ in that game down seven? 17- touchdowns do you have any issue with that
2: uh I generally am saying like take care of your guys I mean you know these coaches in the preseason they're not playing anybody and then it comes to a situation like this or we saw with Brian Dayball with Daniel Jones and they, they just leave a guy in there now uh in this situation it wasn't like Russ was getting crushed they might feel like they need some reps uh, I don't have a huge issue with it uh, in this specific situation I mean the truth is Russ wasn't playing bad in this game. I mean, I mean, they were moving the football. They had a, you know, Cortland Sutton fumbled uh, a couple times. If your defense did anything in that game, maybe you have a chance there. But uh, I'm okay with it.
1: No, I agree with you, Shio. Russ is not the one that gave up 700 yards. Russ is not the one that let them hang 70 on them. He actually played well. Let me move on to the Cardinals. They shocked the Cowboys. Trayvon Diggs is good, but he's not that good. I mean, could we go the rest of the season and not see a bigger upset than that game?
2: I think that's the biggest one we'll see. I mean, I was just looking at the numbers last year, favorites of 12 points or more. We saw one of them lose straight up all season. Cowboys in this game, they're 12 and a half point favorites and they lose straight up to the Cardinals. So yeah, it could be the biggest upset we see in the NFL. And you mentioned, I mean, uh, listen, Diggs is a fantastic corner. This team got dashed on the ground. I mean, they gave up 180 yards on the ground to Joshua Dobbs and this Cardinals off in the first half by the way. uh, They gave up three runs of over 25-plus yards. So yeah, complete no-show by that Cowboys defense. Uh, Again, Diggs is a great player, but that wasn't... I mean, they had all kinds of issues uh, in this game. It looked to me like a team that was not prepared, that was not well-coached. They had 13 penalties in this game. Uh, Listen, if you're the Cowboys, you need that one seed in the NFC. I know it's only September. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but you and the Eagles, I mean, those are two of the what, probably three, four best teams in the NFC. One of them it might be able to get the one seed. The other one is probably gonna be a wild card team. So games like this uh could matter once we get to January.
1: Sure, in other words, they were a Mike McCarthy team. You took the phrase from me before I could put it out there. They no-showed. They flat out no-showed. They got gashed, they gave up over two hundred and twenty yards on the ground. So we can go ahead and stop about talking about how this is a historic defense. I know they missed Trayvon Diggs, but not that much. Now, let me keep moving. What about the Patriots? They made it 15 in a row against the Jets. Zach Wilson does not seem like he's improved at all. I understand there's not a ton of quality out there or a lot of other options, but if the Jets really want to contend for the playoffs still, don't they have to bring in somebody? Somebody to play instead of Wilson? At
2: least somebody to push him? I mean, I would go further and say it's organizational malpractice to, to go the rest of the season. With Zach Wilson I mean you look at that defense they got six straight punts they forced six straight punts to finish the game and you still can't win that game I mean you have one touchdown everyone can see it you've got a stud wide receiver you've got a great defense you've you've got an offensive line that is not great but played good enough if your Jets ownership GM Joe Douglas whoever I am calling every team in the NFL today and seeing do you have anything for me by the way uh, I'm starting with Minnesota, and I'm calling and saying, listen, you guys are 0-3. Kirk Cousins is a free agent at the end of the season. If he walks, you're not getting anything from him. Let's make a deal. Let, let Give us Kirk Cousins the rest of the season. We'll give you a draft pick that's probably higher than you even think you can get for him, and we're both happy right now. I mean, that is the deal to me that I'm staring at right now saying both teams should, should be doing this deal today.
1: I think that's really compelling. If you were the Jets, how high would you go? Would you give up a first to get Kirk Cousins?
2: <laughs> there are desperate teams, and if I'm the Vikings, that, that's what I'm asking for. Honestly, if you're the Jets, you're dug in so deep, you haven't made the playoffs. In 12 years, it's gonna hurt. Maybe you could do some type of conditional pick where you say, "Hey, it's a two, but if we make the playoffs, it turns into a one." Something like that. The thing is, it has to be attractive enough for the Vikings to do the deal. I mean, if it's a third-round pick, the Vikings are saying, "Sorry, you know, we will go we'll play the rest of the season with Kirk Cousins." So I think it's probably. In that one-to-two range, maybe you can get creative there. But I probably would be too aggressive. If I were Joe Douglas, I'd have to have someone in the room saying, dude, settle down. We can't be going overboard with what we're giving up for Kirk Cousins. But that's just (laughs) how I feel. I mean, they need to do something. You can't keep sticking Zach Wilson out there and just throw away this season. It's not fair to the other players on the team. It's not fair to the coaches. It's not fair to the fans.
1: Sure, I agree with you. I agree with you on both those points. Like, they have to do something, right? So they're so entrenched. They're so dug in. That defense is playing so well. You gotta take that swing. But we don't let's not get crazy. Like Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins. He's nice, he puts up numbers, but you don't want to get too crazy, but they gotta do something. Now, if we're talking about the Vikings, let me ask you this. When the Chargers did what they did, and Brandon Staley did what he does, and he went for it on fourth and one from the 24, number one. What went through your mind? And then secondarily, is there any other team in the NFL that could have lost that game, given the fact that he gift-wrapped that to them other than the Vikings?
2: I I thought the game was over. I thought the Chargers are charging again. This is going to be an all-timer in what's been a series of all-timers over the years. And then you look at that last sequence that the Vikings had, where instead of spiking the ball, They can't communicate to Kirk Cousins the play call. Uh, If you read the reports out of Minnesota, Cousins couldn't hear the play call. He decides, all right, I'm just going to call my own play, calls his own play, and throws an interception. Like, you just need to have some calm in that situation. If you can't hear the play call, get up there, spike it. You have two, three chances to get in the end zone and win the football game. Instead, you rush there. I mean, I know these teams practice situational football, but, man, that is just – I thought for sure they were scoring there, and you're absolutely right. They just blew it at the end.
1: Sure, so we've got another Monday Night Football doubleheader tonight. You've got the Eagles taking on the Bucks in Game 1. You know the Eagles, of course, as well as anybody. We all saw A.J. Brown get a little bit heated with Jalen Hurts on the sideline last week when Brown hedges four catches in that win over the Vikings. Is that just heated the moment stuff? Is there something more between the two of those? How do you interpret that?
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, if you talk to any former players, they'll say, hey, these things happen all the time uh, on the sideline. And while that's true, it's still something to keep an eye on to me, because that was a game where the Eagles were leading by like two touchdowns. And by the way, if you go back to last year, their playoff game against the Giants, they're blowing the Giants out, and there's kind of a similar situation on the sideline there. Now, A.J. Brown is a terrific player. I think the coaches need to do a better job of getting him involved early to avoid that kind of situation. But A.J. Brown said he didn't talk to the media after that game because he said he was too heated and needs to get his his emotions in check. So um, it's not like a 10 on a scale of 1 to 10, but is it something, hey, let's kind of keep an eye on this uh, the rest of the season? Yeah, I think that's a fair way to kind of label it. I
1: think that's a good way to put that. If it were, quote, heated the moment, he would have cooled off by the time the game was over and he would have met with the media. What about the other matchup tonight? What do you think the Bengals do with Joe Burrow? And frankly, you know, you got Jamar Chase, who's on record, as saying we shouldn't play him. We should not play him until he's 100%. How do you think they're handling him, and what can we expect in that game tonight?
2: It's a really tough call. I mean, they're 0-2. If they're 2-0, and if they're 1-1, and I think it's an easier call. I mean, 0-3, you're getting to the point where you're saying – Our season might not be over, but, man, that is just a huge hole uh, to dig out of. So uh, I think it's two things. One, a pain tolerance thing, which we've all watched Joe Burrow. I'm not worried about that. If he says he can play, he can handle the pain, pain he can operate, I think you could get one of these legendary epic performances that the all-time greats give you where they fight through something, they battle through adversity, and you say, man, uh, we're going to remember that game for a long time. At the same time, if your medical staff, if your doctors are saying – there's a risk of kind of reaggravation, making this worse where he's just not going to be the same for a while. Then maybe you say, you know what, let's try to kind of sneak a win here uh, without him and get him back uh, next week. So uh, I think if he was okay with it, if the medical staff gave me the, okay, I would say, let's give him a shot to play. But certainly not an easy decision. I I thought the Bengals were going to win the Super Bowl. They were my pick coming into the season. And now they're in this really tough spot uh, already in week three.
1: So before you go, who's your one to beat right now? Lots of football left, long, long season. But is there anybody who has separated themselves from everybody else at this point, in your opinion?
2: I don't think so. I think the Chiefs and the Niners are if I had to pick right now, you know, like uh you're pointing a water gun at me and saying, give me your pick. I think those are the two teams I'm going with. But I'll tell you what, I didn't think the Dolphins could do it before the season. And now I've got them in there. If you're asking me to list three, four, five contenders uh, with the way their offense is playing, how unstoppable they've looked through three games. Um, I I absolutely think a couple of those teams uh, like the Dolphins are are still in the mix.
1: I cannot dispute that. He's a senior NFL writer for the Ringer. He's also the co-host of the Scramble, the Philly Special, and the Extra Points Taken podcast. She'll Kapadia, my She'll great job as always. Appreciate you coming on this show once again. That was fun. Have a great day.
2: All right. Thanks for having me. Talk to you soon.
1: I keep saying it, but it's true. Lots of ball, ton of ball, pro ball, college ball. Joining us right now is the head football coach of the Kansas Jayhawks. He's in his third season in that capacity. The Jayhawks opened up Big 12 conference play by beating BYU 38-27. to They improved to 4-0 on the season. They are ranked 24th in this week's AP poll, and they've got a huge one coming up this weekend. They take on number three, Texas, in Austin, Saturday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. We are joined by the head coach of the Jayhawks, Lance Leipold. Lance, it is so good to have you back on. How are you?
0: I'm doing well, Jim. Great to be with you again. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing
1: great. It's good to have you back, Coach. Thanks so much. Before we talk about this weekend, why don't we take a look back? You rallied from that three-point halftime deficit. You beat BYU in the Cougars' Big 12 debut. What was your biggest takeaway from the win? And then how pleased were you with the toughness and the grit that your team showed in the second half?
0: Yeah, I, I think you hit it on the head there. It was a toughness and grit. Um, we've challenged our guys that we needed to be more physical on both sides of the ball this season. They have. We had two de- defensive touchdowns in the game, uh, one by Kenny Logan right there to, to get us started in the second half. But, Jimmy, you know, the other part is the ex- the experience and poise of this group. You know, we're – Pretty young football team two years ago, youngest power five team in the country. And now that experience is is taken over for us. And there was a presence in the locker room at halftime that really kind of helped us take over the second half.
1: Now, Lance, you and I have talked about what you inherited and what you've built. And when you talk about the experience, is there now an expectation, an expectation that something good is going to happen as opposed to something bad is going to happen? And what's that say about the culture that you've built?
0: well it does it says something about how our players have responded and and to what we expect of them and they've worked extremely hard and i'm awful proud of them i'm proud of our our staff because we've gone in at halftime jim and and, and it's been like a Morgan there and or a high level of frustration and now this group and through our leaders in our program have really taken over and and you see these type of uh changes uh in the second half so that's exciting and uh now now we gotta be able to get back and go on the road play an awful tough football team. Awfully tough football team. Lance Leipold joining us. You know, when
1: you and I spoke back in April during spring practice, you said your quarterback Jalen Daniels belonged in the conversation of best quarterbacks in college football. It's really high praise given how deep the position is this year. He had another big game. He had three touchdowns. He had no INTs on Saturday. He's completing 75% of his passes this season. Is it time for Heisman voters to start
0: paying more attention to what he's doing? Well, I think they're going to get a chance on Saturday, uh, you know, and that's going to be big for him and our football team. But, you know, he's, to us, he's a pretty special player. And, and I'm watching some of those highlights there, his touch and what he's done. I said also in that game, Jim, I, I think he did a great job with his legs of uh, scrambling, keeping plays alive, and getting us some key first downs. And, uh, you know, he's the leader of our offense and of our football team. And, and he's, you know, and he, I, we think he's an awful special player.
1: All right, so we've been talking about Saturday. Since you referenced that, let me just jump ahead to it. You're going to face one of the most skilled teams in the country. You head to Austin to take on number three, Texas. An absolutely incredible challenge, but an amazing opportunity for Kansas. You're going for your first road win against a ranked opponent since 1995. I know you're watching film. What impresses you most about Texas as you break this thing down?
0: Well... I think what, what jumps at you offensively, you know, Steve Sarkeesian is one of the best play callers in the country. Um, We pride ourselves here, Jim, about the, you know, that we spread the ball around a lot of personnel groupings, a lot of motions and shifts. They do the same thing and they do an excellent job and they've got speed and athleticism in every spot, a big up physical offensive line. Defensively, I think the biggest things that keep changing. I, I think their defensive front's playing at a high level, very physical group, athletic all over in the back seven. So as you said, what a great opportunity for 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 the Kansas Jayhawks to go down there and being ranked and playing a ranked team such as such as the Longhorns. I
1: mean, it's incredible. Lance, going back to your offense for a minute, I think you guys also have a lot of balance and do a lot of things really well. It goes without saying, as much pride and as grateful as you are to have the quarterback that you have, it also helps to have a solid running attack. You guys pounded out 221 yards on the ground, led by Devin Neal, who had 91 yards against BYU How pleased are you with his play specifically and the work of the big dudes up
0: front? Well, you know, again, Devin, Devin's probably, you know, the if Jalen's one A, he's one B in this thing because of his abilities um to carry the ball. Um, but the thing he is, is he's a complete back now. He he's been able to make plays in the receiving game. He's a solid pass protector, but again, he's the threat because for us to be effective, as you said, we want to be balanced. But uh For a third-year player, he's playing at a high level once again. We have his backup, is back healthy, and Daniel Hyshaw, and Daniel's averaging close to seven yards a carry as well. So the one-two punch of those guys – are going to be needed. But again, uh, uh, again, uh, a nice compliment to what Jalen and our passing game does.
1: We're talking Jayhawk football. Huge matchup. Kansas at Texas coming up this weekend. You know, you beat me to it. I was going to ask you about the defense, and you mentioned that yourself off the top. College football obviously is so, so much about high scoring and offenses that are high octane and high powered. It seems to me defensive achievements do get overlooked. Your team forced those three BYU turnovers. The defense did score 14 points. In other words, a huge day for for your defense, is this one of the most opportunistic defenses that you've coached?
0: And then what's working best on that side of the ball in your mind? Well, well, that's a loaded one. You know, I, I think it's right up there right now. And, and again, we haven't been that type of defense in our first two seasons. And we've made an emphasis on the physicality and being more aggressive. Um, the nice thing is, is the, the whole back seven is back. Um, you know, for two straight years. Uh, Kobe Bryant was just named Big 12 Defense Player of the Week. You know, he he had the interception and the forced fumble for a touchdown. You know, he was, you know, we played with three guys in the secondary down in Austin two years ago, Jim, and, and I don't know if anybody weighed over 165 pounds. This group has grown, they've matured, they've become stronger, and the game slows down for them a little bit, and they're taking advantage of it with some aggressiveness. You know, Lance, you
1: talk about, and because you and I have had conversations, I'm really amazed, not amazed, I'm really intrigued by the transformation of the program. Every coach I talk to talks about culture. I'm curious how this works. Like, Do you get a complete buy-in from the players and then the wins naturally follow, or do you only get that complete buy-in after you have
0: the wins? Which comes first, or can you not have one without the other? I don't know if you can have one without the other. I I think what this program went through that really helped us was they found that we were going to hold them accountable with structure and accountability on and off the field in every facet of their life. And it was going to be consistent. And I think that's what young men want. They want to be treated fairly, coached. They want to be given the opportunity. But we were going to hold them accountable from class attendance and tutoring, from uh, weigh-ins with the nutritionists. To themselves in the weight room and then when they start seeing some improvement maybe personally or holistically as a team some of that buy-in really skyrockets and i think that what that's what' of line for us right
1: now i was gonna say it sounds holistic to me is what that is so lance you know how this goes right you were rewarded with that contract extension in november it runs through the 2029 season But when I say you know how this goes, what I mean is big-time college sports. The more success you have, the more your name is going to get connected to coaching openings. This time it's Michigan State. I know you're focused on Texas. And because of that, you don't want distractions of any sort. So how do you handle the speculation internally? In other words, is it something you address with your players who I'm guessing probably have come across it on social media?
0: Um, Well... I was hoping we'd get through this interview, Jim, without that. (laughs) But, uh, uh, of course, I know you're going to be on top of it. But, you know, I haven't at this time because that's all speculation and all those things. They know from last year how myself, my wife, our staff feels about being in Lawrence, Kansas. We have um, unfinished business here. We have great support From our athletic director, Travis Goff, our chancellor, Doug Gerard, And it's the best alignment I've ever been a part of. And uh, and we've got a new stadium on the horizon. We've got new facilities. We've done some renovations. And right now, we're going to focus on making this the best football program it can possibly be.
1: Hey, listen, I was hoping to get through the interview without asking you, but that is the job, as you know. And we also know the grass is not always greener. Lance, I really appreciate it. As I mentioned, it's a terrific challenge, but an awesome opportunity coming up this weekend. Can't wait to see how you guys do on the road. Great to have you back on the show. Appreciate the visit, appreciate the relationship, and good
0: luck this weekend. Thank you very much, Jim. Appreciate it again, and uh, you have a great week And Rock Chalk. Rock Chalk. Good night,